0: The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer.
1: Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another telemedicine innovator. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Dr. Roy Schoenberg, CEO and co-founder of American Well. Dr. Schoenberg, welcome to the show.
0: Good morning, Joe. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks so much for making the time today. Before we begin our discussion, could you take a little bit and inform the audience about you and your background?
0: Sure. Happy to. You know, we're having this conversation. I'm based in Boston, Massachusetts, on this kind of uh, rainy day here. I'm a physician-by-trained studied and trained back in Israel, served for a good chunk of years in military service, and then actually made the transition to healthcare informatics, which is the the combination between medical care and computer science, joined Harvard and MIT for that, spent a good number of years in academics here in Boston, and then ventured further into the uh, kind of entrepreneurial business side, started a couple of technology companies that did well in the medical industry, and landed just about a little bit, almost a decade ago, into American Well and having fun doing it.
1: Perfect. And a perfect segue as well. Could you give our audience a 10,000-foot overview of American Well?
0: Sure. So I think the best way to describe American Well is that we've been in the business of doing telehealth for about a decade. And I think the best way to describe telehealth is the use of technology to help patients and physicians interact with each other. Not unlike a lot of other industries that benefited from the internet, you know, if you think about how you do retail today and how you do banking and how you do entertainment and everything else, telehealth is the equivalent of the internet use for medical care. In a sense, from a patient standpoint, it allows you as a patient to tap into a telehealth application, whether it's an app or a browser or in some cases the telephone. You can see which physicians at that very moment are willing and able to take you in. You can click on connect and actually carry out an entire visit from start to finish with this physician pretty much instantly from the comfort of your own home. We can go into a lot of details about how that is being applied, but the reality is that it uses technology to extend the reach of the healthcare system for the very first time, you don't have to go to where healthcare is. Healthcare actually comes to you. And that's the core of what we do
1: here at American Well. Great. Thank you for that great overview. How do you go to market? Do you go to market all the way to the end consumer? Do you provide your technology to providers or to health plans?
0: Well, the answer is all of the above. And that is because healthcare is a little bit of a different business than, than retail in the sense that It is very, very important that as a patient, and by the way, also as a physician, that any kind of healthcare encounter is going to have the comfort level that you're interacting with someone who's good at what they do, that you can rely on them, that they've been properly credentialed and licensed and trained. So the trust factor is actually very important. That is why for most of our existence, you know, through the last decade, the way we did telehealth is that we developed the technology, kind of the infrastructure to do those healthcare visits, but then we made them available to the traditional healthcare constituents, whether these are the Blue Cross Blue Shields of the world or the Uniteds or the Anthems of the world, the WellPoints of the world, and at the same time, we made it available to physicians and large health systems, large hospital systems, so that they could use this technology to interact with the patients that they actually have a relationship with. I think that today, even though we do it and there's a few other companies that offer what's called direct-to-consumer telehealth, so you can go to Mwell or you can go to TeleDoc or whatever it is, we strongly believe that people prefer to get healthcare from the physicians and the organizations that they trust with that sensitive
1: topic which is their health. You mentioned that you've been doing this for 10 years. Could you tell us, based on your experience, where telehealth is today and how you see it evolving the next few years?
0: Sure, so I can tell you that it's a fascinating story to look at how telehealth evolved over the last 10 years. I can tell you that when we started deploying telehealth, which was In the state of Hawaii, our first client was Blue Cross Blue Shield of Hawaii, who's still a great partner and a great friend. When we deployed it on day one, the medical board of Hawaii pretty much declared us as public enemy number one. Because at the time, again, this was so many years ago, the idea that a physician can actually give care to a patient that they can't put their hands on was heresy. I mean, this was a terrible, terrible thing. And over the last 10 years, and specifically in the last two years, the industry has moved forward in leaps and bounds. And I think probably the most important milestone was at the beginning of last year, where the medical boards, which govern the practice of medicine across the country, have actually changed their position and Again, I don't think we need to, to bore the audience with this, why that happened, but they changed their position very publicly and said, well, if you do telehealth in a certain way, we actually believe that this is good medical practice. This actually delivers safe medicine, and it can actually really, really help patients who struggle with accessing health care. And I think we all have experienced what it feels like to go to an urgent care center or get an appointment. So that happened about two years ago. And I think the other major transformation that happened, again, roughly around the same time, is that the health insurance companies, that for the most part are the authority on what medical care you're going to get as part of your health insurance, as part of your benefits, they have changed their position, and where historically they said that's a convenience solution, that's a convenience service. They actually changed that and said, you know what, we believe that that's actually a very valuable way for people to get health care because it is much more timely, it is much more intimate, it is available in their homes, that is much better than having them go to an emergency room or, much worse, procrastinate and not do anything about a health care condition that's evolving, and they have made the decision to make it into a benefit, which means it's a covered service if you get your insurance from a United or a Blue Cross or any one of these So between these two, the fact that telehealth became permitted, became good medical practice, and the fact that it was now a paid transaction, it was covered by your benefits, it started booming, and you can use any metaphor you want, tsunami, tidal wave, earthquake, any one of these will do. Telehealth has taken an enormous uptick in the last year to the point that the numbers that we see are literally year over year going in the order of magnitude of hundreds of percent, sometimes thousands of percent within one year to the point that it is becoming the fastest adopted healthcare benefit in American history. It is really a fascinating thing to look at.
1: Wow, I love that. I'm going to quote you on that too. What do you observe the consumer experience to be like in telehealth these days?
0: Well, I think we need to... We need to make a distinction between what people grew, people who know about telehealth, what they have grew accustomed to in the last couple of years, and where telehealth is going this year forward. And the distinction is actually very important because I think by now, because of the media coverage on telehealth and everything else, most people think that telehealth is a way for you to quickly get to a physician who's available. And because you don't know them, they don't know you, even though you can actually have a valid healthcare transaction, because there's no relationship, there's no history, there are no records and everything else, it's usually limited to very, very basic healthcare. And don't get me wrong, if you have the flu or if you have a urinary tract infection or if you have sinusitis or bronchitis or a rash, getting a physician within about a minute and having them see you and talk to you and give you a prescription for a Zpac is a godsend, especially if you're in the middle of winter in Minnesota or in other places. But the reality is, and that has, for the most part, become almost synonymous with what telehealth is. Now, the truth is that, and I think everybody can appreciate that, healthcare is much more than the flu. And healthcare dollars, if you think about where they get spent they don't actually get spent on rash and urinary tract infection. They get spent on treating very serious conditions like diabetes and asthma and cancer and patients who are undergoing surgery. Telehealth can actually play an enormous role in managing, or I would say enveloping, the care of those patients. What we're seeing, and we tokened it as the second generation of telehealth, It's not about giving quick access to a physician to get a pack, but rather it's giving telehealth to physicians so that they can use it to more properly follow up with their own patients. And these would be the patients that are the elderly that have trouble leaving their home and coming to the office. These would be the patients that need very frequent care because their medications have to be changed very, very frequently to adjust to a lot of different considerations. These will be the patients that have been undergoing surgery and are discharged to go home and now need to recover, recuperate for the month or two after surgery. And we know that a lot of bad things can happen. if you can use telehealth to kind of be with them during that time, you can prevent a lot of those deteriorations and readmissions, as they're called. So the reality is that telehealth has a much, much larger role in the life of Americans than what it's currently being utilized. And I can tell you, and I'll just finish at that, this is not a theory. This is not a new concept. We have seen a radical transformation in our own business in terms of who is buying telehealth technologies for us. If for the first eight years of our existence, it was mostly the health insurance companies that were buying it for their members, now the largest buyers of telehealth are actually the physicians and the hospital systems, especially large national hospital systems that are saying, the reality is Part of the way that we practice medicine is going to be through technology. We have to buy the right infrastructure. We have to begin to speak the language because this is not going away, like what happened in retail and like what happened in all the other industries. So that's a very, very dramatic transformation in the world of telehealth. That second-generation telehealth in the hands of physicians is really where all the rate
1: is. Thank you so much for sharing that observation. That is huge. I think we're leaving the early adopter stage and we're getting into the mass adoption stage. What are some of the more innovative uses of telehealth that you're seeing come about?
0: Well, I think there's different organizations that are using telehealth. And when we work with them, and typically, just to give you a sense, when we engage with the health system, for example, the buying decision for telehealth is so strategic that it's usually not the director of procurement that buys it. It's usually the CEO that makes the decision to buy telehealth. And that actually translates, and we tell our clients that again and again and again, don't think of telehealth as an alternative line of business, another way by which you can engage new patients. It can serve in that capacity. But the reality is that telehealth should be the channel to allow your true colors, what you are known for, what you do best, to be made available more conveniently, more, more broadly to a larger patient population, which means that if you are Cleveland Clinic and you are known for a couple of different areas of medicine to be the best in the world on, use telehealth to proliferate the reach of those programs that you have because that's why people actually want to get services from you. Telehealth shouldn't be considered another territory of medicine. It really should be considered as an instrument to allow you to do what you regularly do more broadly. And the result of that is the different systems we work with, Cleveland is one of them, Providence, Jefferson, many, many others. These are very large systems. They all use the telehealth technology very differently because they use it in order to extend the reach of what they do best. And frankly, I think that is exactly the right strategy.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. What do you think is the biggest barrier of widespread adoption? Well,
0: success is a blessing and a curse. There's a sweet and sour message with such rapid growth. Healthcare historically has been a very, very glacial industry. Anything that you want to change in healthcare typically is spoken in, in terms of decades. Even probably the largest revolution in our recent times has been the adoption of electronic medical record systems and electronic prescribing. And even though we've been talking about it for literally almost two decades now, you will still see articles that talk about penetration of EMRs. It's not moving as fast as anybody thinks. And that's because of a lot of good things and bad things about healthcare people that run healthcare want to be very, very careful and very conservative because patient safety is involved and so on. Telehealth moves in the pace of consumer electronics. It doesn't move in the pace of electronic medical records. It is driven forward by the experience of Americans. It changes their ability to get healthcare, which means there is so much pull to drive forward that things that historically in healthcare didn't exist, like Time to market, how quickly can I deploy telehealth? This is language that is very very unusual for healthcare now it's great for us as a business because we're literally doubling year over year, but the downside to it is that when you grow so fast, there is an enormous amount of confusion. People are running fast and sometimes they don't ask all of the questions they need to ask, and they often enough they end up deploying either the wrong type of telehealth or they deploy telehealth in a way that doesn't weave into their regular workflow, or doesn't generate the right financial return, and there can be a lot of disappointments. Now, it's not even that when you think about all of the regulations around telehealth. So literally, in the course of 12 months or 18 months, the entire country has changed its position from saying that telehealth is a bad thing to saying this is the best thing since sliced bread, as you can imagine, different state medical boards, different associations, different payment rules and payment schedules, different federal regulations around telehealth, all of them are now all over the place. Now, they're all over the place because everybody's trying to do the right thing. But because of the speed, they're not all harmonized. They're not all synchronized. They speak different terms. They misuse one term in one place and another term in another place. The result of that is that there's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of confusion in the industry. I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think it's going to go away in a year or two. But right now, as we operate in it, that is a struggle that we always have to come in and kind of set the record straight in some cases, reposition things so that people have a good understanding for what it is and what it isn't. And I think that's probably the biggest barrier right now.
1: I really appreciate you saying that. Before I became a member of the media doing this podcasting, I was a health IT consultant for 25 years. And I found that I was typically brought in the second generation of implementation. And the first generation was fraught with all the problems you just talked about. And in the second generation, the health system or health plan discovered that it was worthy of going through a planning process, of setting priorities and defining a strategy. And I think you said it way better than I could, but if you don't have a strategy for telehealth or telemedicine and you just implement the first vendor that comes along, you're setting forward on a couple of years at least of wasted money and a lot of broken hearts, I think.
0: And to be clear, I think everybody is doing this with the right intentions. I think the people that do this and move fast are people that actually recognize the sentiments of the market and they understand that in a very, very competitive landscape, they need to speak modern technology, they need to speak the new and more efficient ways of delivering healthcare. But the reality is that the confusion allows a lot of bad apples to move forward, which in turn, and I think there's not too much damage that's being done that way, but I think because this is moving so fast, there's going to be a lot more new players coming into the market. Some of them are going to say, hey, if we can do Skype, we can do healthcare or the likes, and it's not going to play out well for them. They're going to fail. We know that for a fact, but also I think it's going to create some, not great experiences for the people that use it, and they may walk away and say, I don't want to use it anymore, and that will kind of create some contention around the industry. Again, I think that these are going to be the outliers. I think the market forces are so powerful to drive this industry forward that I think everything is going to be okay, but there is a lot of noise. There is a lot of friction right now in the market that is the result of that early adolescence of these
1: technologies. Absolutely. What's next for American Well? What can we expect new from you as you head into 2016?
0: Well, there's a lot of stuff that has to do with growth. And I can tell you that the company itself is moving from one stage to another. We've spent a good number of years developing a technology, making it the best that it could be, making sure the experience was terrific, making sure we had the intellectual property around it, and prove that it can deliver value. This was kind of the missionary state of American Well. And now there's no question that the Ford movement is all about scale. I mentioned doubling year over year. That's an incredible pace of growth for any company. And it comes with its own considerations and challenges. You have to figure out what you want to focus on. It's very easy to dilute yourself and do a lot of different things, all great, but to the point that you start doing them not as well as you we did before. We need to prevent that from happening. And that's a lot of investment that we're making. And I think the other part of it is that maybe even at a a higher level, from a strategic standpoint, we're a very, very funny company. We're a very funny organization in the sense that if you can put us under the title of telemedicine, our mission in life is to make that go away, to make that entire term disappear. Because if we do our job right, there's not going to be telemedicine anymore. It's going to be part of medicine. It will become just part of the instruments that are in the physician pocket that can help them care for us as patients. And they're not going to make a distinction. There's going to be like you can see a physician in their office and you can see a physician in the urgent care center and you can see a physician in the ER, and they're all not distinct. They're all healthcare. One of the other ways in which you interact with the healthcare system is going to be through technology. and It's not going to be a different domain of healthcare, and it's not going to be a different art. It's just going to be medicine. And I think this is where we're going, and I can tell you that this dramatically impacts everything we do because we're trying to move as far as we can into the background and just give people the tools they need to create value with it and do better. And I think that we actually see this, looming in the horizon in front of us which is really an amazing experience after all these years where we were the missionaries on the cross often saying hey you know technology can actually be
1: part of healthcare."
0: this is now becoming a reality
1: that's great thank you so much for that dr Schonberg. before we finish up here and before i let you go where can people go to contact you and learn more about what you're doing at american well
0: We're available in a lot of different ways. Obviously, AmericanWell.com website is available. I'm happy as much as I can to be available to answer questions. My email is available. It's really simple. It's Roy at AmericanWell.com. And we look forward to interacting with everybody who feels strongly about this because we believe that that is how you move and shake the world.
1: Dr. Schoenberg, thank you so much for coming today. You shared such great information, such great observations of where the market is. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Joe, anytime. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Dr. Roy Schoenberg, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.